Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is George Shepard from Shepard. And if you want to learn how important it is to build quality relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network Podcast. I am really excited to bring you today's guest. His name is George Shepard. We actually met out in Brisbane when I was in Australia a couple months ago speaking at We Are Podcast, and George just has an incredible story. He's the lead singer of a band called Shepherd. You might recognize a couple of their songs like Coming Home or Geronimo is probably their most well-known song, especially out here in the U.S. So they've done some incredible things. They've headlined with some incredible artists and toured all over the world. Um, and we have some fantastic conversation about all of that. Plus, obviously, we throw in some networking towards the end, some relationship building. And it's all sprinkled throughout this conversation because it's such an important aspect in every industry, but especially in these highly competitive industries in the entertainment and space like, like music and acting and different things like that. So we talk a little bit about what they did as a band when they first heard a song of theirs playing on the radio, which I can only imagine is a really surreal and really cool experience. And then how it felt to play Rock in Rio in front of over 100,000 people right before Rihanna came on stage the very last night of the event. And then why relationships are crucial in the music industry. So we talk about all of this stuff plus a lot more. It's going to be a fantastic episode. Plus George is such a cool down to earth guy that you'll really, really enjoy some of the stuff in this show. But 
first, before we get into that, as most of you know, my network has absolutely exploded in the last year and a half. And when people ask me how I've been able to do it, the number one answer is my podcast. If I didn't start Build Your Network, there is zero chance I would know as many people as I do now. And it's the perfect credibility vehicle and value adding excuse to connect with the people that you want to connect with the most. I highly recommend starting a show, but if you do it, do it the right way. Last I heard about 90% of podcasters never make it past episode seven, which is just ludicrous. So if you want to be on the right side of that statistic, do what I did. Hire a coach, someone that's been there, done that, and can walk you through the process, hold you accountable to actually launching and getting the show out to the world. Um, And yes, that is something that I do now. In the last few months, I've helped a few people get their shows off the ground and I'd love to do the same for you. If any of this resonates with you, then head over to buildyournetwork.co slash coaching to apply. I only accept a couple people at a time because I don't want anyone lost in the process. And then I'll only be helping 10 people total before I shut the whole thing down. It's really valuable, but it's also super time intensive. So I can't do it forever. Be sure to apply over at buildyournetwork.co slash coaching if you are interested. And now here is my chat with George Shepard. George Shepard, what is up, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I've just uh, just recently recovered from the jet lag of being over in uh, in Australia with you, like a couple weeks ago. I feel like Australian jet lag would probably be the worst out of all of jet lags because it's so far away. It was tough, bro. Like I don't know. There's something, and you can talk about that too. But there's something about like. When I go to Australia, it's not bad, like while I'm there. Mm-hmm. But when I come back home, it just hits me like a brick wall. <laughs> well, think so. about it for me. I live in Australia. So whenever I go anywhere else, that hits me, that jet lag. That and then, makes when, sense. then when I come home again, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm home. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So cool, bro. I, I appreciate you coming on. I know you don't, you've never done one of these before. Is that right? This is, you're breaking my podcast cherry here, Travis. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad it's you. <laughs> yes. It'll be meaningful, bro. It'll be meaningful. <laughs> Light a candle or something. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I was super st- stoked to get you on. We were talking a little bit out in Australia. So you and I met at We Are Podcast through our mutual friend, Ronsley. And uh, we were sitting at a table together and then we we're just kind of talking. And it's so funny, bro. Like, when, when I asked you what you did and you were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's interesting. So I was like, is that something that you do full time? <laughs> and because like most of the musicians that you talk to are just like writing songs, you know what I mean? Like trying to make it. And then the more we started talking throughout the course of the night, after I asked you if you had any songs I might know, and then you said Geronimo. And I was like, oh, wow, that's been on my workout playlist for like the last two, three years or whatever, however long it's been since it's been out. And uh, it was just a really interesting conversation. And so I was happy, happy that you decided to come on the show. And there's a lot of different stuff that we can get into. But first, let's kind of build some context here and take it all the way back. So talk to me about how you got started in all of this. Like you there's so many people that have this dream, mm. right? To do the things that you guys have been able to accomplish with the band. And uh, so how, how did you get started with it? It was actually a really gradual process. Like, I'm not sure if there was any one moment that I can pinpoint that that was like, okay, here's the start of the band. There was de- definitely different phases of Shepard, like kind of growing into it. It was like, I guess it originally started with uh, my sister, Amy and I, you know, we were, we were more of a duo, like a folk pop duo 
And uh, the two of us were just doing it as, as a bit of a hobby. I actually, I actually started helping Amy write some songs for her university assignment. That's what I was going to um, ask. So like how, how old were you guys when you were doing this? This was like uh, 20, well, I would have been about 21, 22 at the time. Okay. So gotcha. I, it was never, it was never my ambition to be a, a successful musician. I wanted to be an actor. I was doing theater and film and TV and going through drama school. Like that was my dream in inverted commas, if that makes sense. Like I, I wanted to, I wanted to be characters. I wanted to be playing and performing and, and, you know, doing all that stuff on stage and screen. But we, we'd been doing music as a family. You know, we'd been, we'd be asked to do like school assemblies and, and sing in the choirs and all, all of that sort of stuff. So we, we had been doing music from an early age, but not as like an ambition to pursue it professionally. Okay. And so, so when, it was, when, when was that, when was that shift? I guess it was, it was me helping Amy write these songs for her assignment. I think that was the point where we were like, you know what, we can actually write some music together. Like we, our voices blend really well with harmonies. I, I think we get told that all the time when we sing individually, like it's, it's okay. But when we sing together and we blend our voices and we make these harmonies, there's something that I guess, because we're siblings, the, our vocal cords are structured in a, in a similar way that the harmonies blend really nicely together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something that um, only siblings can, can have sometimes, you know, it's like uh, yeah, just similar, very similar tones. Right. Yeah. That's it. Like mix very well together. Yeah. And I think, I think we discovered that on this, on this uh, assignment, you know, that she had to do. And we, we decided to get those songs recorded professionally. We, we booked some time in a studio and we, we went through and learned that whole process of recording a song during, during that time. And we just had so much fun doing it and the songs came out really well. She got a great mark for it. So we just, as a hobby, we decided to keep it going and, and to keep writing music. And uh, that was like the, the initial inception, I guess, of, of what the band is now. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. So at what point along the way did that ambition change from, hey, this is something that's fun and it's a cool hobby to, I think we can really do something with this. I think it was when we we, we decided to, oh, we got our first gig. That's right. We, we, you know, put the music out there. And I think through the songs that she'd written for the assignment, somebody else at the university was like, Hey, you guys, these songs are great. Do you want to perform them at this event that we're putting on? And we were like, Oh wow. Okay. We've actually, you know, without even trying, we've, we've gotten this gig. We probably should put a band together for this, <laughs> you know, that, that type of like, <laughs> you know, piecing it together. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it? A, was it a paid gig or was it free? It was a free gig. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was just something that, that we were asked to do and we were like, Oh, okay. Why? Yeah. It sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's try and put a band together. And so the next member of the band was, was Jay Bovino, who's, who's still in the band today. He's one of the lead songwriters. You know, he's, he's like the third official decision maker of the band, I guess. It's like a bit of a democracy. And he was the younger brother of one of my acting friends in Sydney when I was living in Sydney. So I knew that he was great with music and he could play the guitar and he could write songs. So I asked him to come up to Brisbane and, and play bass guitar for this band that we were putting together for this, for this event. And he, he very graciously, I mean, he, this guy can play a million instruments and the bass guitar is one of the easier ones. So it's like, uh, he was just doing us a favor to come up and, you know, for two weeks he was going to rehearse and play this gig with us and then head back down to Sydney. Mm-hmm. But the two weeks that he was staying at our house, we, we just started writing songs. And two weeks turned into two years that he was wow. living at our house in Brisbane. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what was he was he doing years, something? We were like, hey, well, was he like doing yeah. something at the time? Was he working or like like, like <laughs> he just decided to come up and start practicing? <laughs> and then he was like, you know what? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna chill here for two years, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I mean, he he never had a proper job. He was always uh, okay. and bands and, and it was, he was like a dedicated musician trying to make it as a, okay, gotcha. as a guitarist and a songwriter. So, so he had, he had time up his, up his sleeve. Yeah. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. So we're two years, you know, he, he sat around, uh, making music with us and we wrote the first album as Shepherd with, with him living in our house. So that was like, I guess the point where we were, when, when Jason joined the band, I guess that was the point that we were like, okay, I feel like we've got a really solid team of songwriters here let's let's give this a real crack let's try and make this uh, a full-time job yeah so coming out of that what was the next step because i feel like a lot of people get to this step right so i i, I don't yeah. know this 100 to be true but i see a lot of talented people you know just in like a hotel bar that are playing live music and it's just like wow that is like this guy's super talented like just just tears up the guitar has an mm-hmm. amazing voice and uh but then it it just stops there and yep. not because their ambition lacks but maybe the know-how or relationships or songwriting maybe like i don't know exactly what it is what mm-hmm. what was the next thing that took you guys to the next level well i think i think f- for sure it it always starts with the music it starts with the song mm-hmm. uh no- nothing good can come from a a, a mediocre song. Like you can be the most amazing musician in the world. You can shred the guitar. You can be the greatest singer and have an amazing tone and, you know, hit all the notes, do all the runs. But if you, if you're not releasing music that people want to listen to, then it's not going to lead you anywhere. So I think we spent a lot of time focusing on that songwriting craft and 
writing a hit, 100 songs that were, were terrible and, uh, you know, 100 more songs that were, were okay and then 100 more songs that were like, okay, we can probably show some people these songs. We just made sure that we had the songwriting part nailed and we wanted to show people music that we, we felt was like different or unique in some way. And then we got fortunate in a sense. We, we got kind of lucky. Our primary school music teacher was, was following what we were doing and he, you know, we, we've kept in touch with him since we were, you know, kids. Because we grew up in Papua New Guinea, I should probably mention that. We, we actually grew up in, in a, a nation above Australia called Papua New Guinea and our music teacher there had toured with some, some bigger bands back in the day in Australia. And the guy who promoted some of the bands that he was in, his name's Michael Chug. He's a bit of a legend here in Australia for, you know, bringing out bands like U2 and Coldplay. And he's a bit of a, he's like the second most influential person in the music industry in Australia. Hmm. And our primary school music teacher still knew of Michael Chug from his days back in touring. And because he'd known that we'd been doing the music thing, he decided to send our music onto Michael Chug and nothing came back. He, I guess, you know, gets these kind of offers all the time, you know, listen to this band, listen to this band. But to his credit, our music teacher just kept on hounding him, kept on sending in the music. And I guess to shut him up, Michael Chug was (laughs) like, all right, bring him in for one one audition. They can come and play a couple of songs to me in my office and we'll see what they got. So we and, had, and when and when was this? So on the timeline, right? So you said you're 21, 22. Yeah. You start writing a little bit with your sister, and then you bring out this third member of the band starts writing some songs with you, playing the guitar right. or whatever. And then you start writing songs. You write and write and write and write and write, and you mm-hmm. go through a hundred songs. All of them are terrible, but then you get some ones that you're like, hey, these are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so you start releasing these. Then your music teacher starts sending them out, but he gets a no first and starts like, so how much? Like how much time has progressed? And yep. like, how old are you? What time frame are we looking at when so he actually is, gives you a chance to audition for him? Uh, Amy and I would have done the assignment thing back then. And then uh, Jason would have joined in 2011. And then uh, I guess we, we, we would have auditioned for Michael Chug 2012, 2012. Okay. And then, yeah, so we all, we all flew down to Sydney, put on our Sunday best, you know, combed our mm-hmm. hair nice and, and walked into this office of this like music mega manager promoter. He was, he was a pretty intimidating guy. He's about, he's 70 years old now. Uh, and he's really gruff and you know, every video that I'd seen of him on the internet, he's, he's like the kind of promoter who gets up on the microphone and he starts yelling at people in the crowd and swearing. And it was just like the most nerve wracking situation to walk into his office and just try and impress him. Right. It was just like the most, I guess, crippling feeling knowing that this guy is just sitting there judging you. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he brought us in and then he, he invited his entire staff, which is like 30 to 40 people into the, into the big conference room. And they all sat down and, and listened to us play like five songs acoustically, which was, um, yeah, it was definitely throwing us in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, crazy. So how yeah. did, how, at the time, how did you feel it went? Did you, did you like leave there going like, hey, we nailed that? I felt like we did a good job, but then we didn't hear from him for weeks. He just went, yeah, all right, thanks for that. You know, yeah, great, great job, nice songs. See you later. And then we left and that was like, well, I guess that was that. And it's yeah, like, you back know. Back to the drawing from, board, yeah. Yeah, coming from an acting perspective, you go, you go for auditions all the time and don't hear anything. So mm. you don't hear anything unless you get the role pretty much. So right. that's kind of the mentality that I was – I was harboring. That's what, that's what yeah. I was kind of going 
okay, well, I guess we haven't heard anything for a couple of weeks. We, we didn't get the audition. We didn't get the role. And then I think it was about a month or two later, we had a show on in Brisbane and we get an email from Michael Chug saying, hey, I saw you've got a show. I'd love to come up and check it out. And so we're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, come, you know, we'll get, we'll put your name on the list, bring whoever you want. And uh, Michael came with, with another one of the managers from his office and somebody else, some, one of his advisors or somebody, I, uh, she, she runs like the promotion side of his company. And the three of them sat in the back of the room and just watched our entire show. And then we saw him afterwards and he said, all right, well, now that I know you can perform, we're in business. And that was the beginning of it. I mean, he, he took us on as, as a band where he was our manager. And I think wow. that was, that was the real, that was the changing point. That was like the gear shift that we needed for our band. He was able to use his contacts worldwide to put us on all sorts of amazing festivals. And, uh, he started organizing shows for us in London and South Africa and USA. And uh, I think that was like the real, that was the real turning point for us as a, as a band. That's what, that's, that's the moment that sort of rubber hit the road. Yeah. Yeah. Through all of this is, is acting still your dream or do you just want to go full fledged into music and stay there? I honestly, people ask me this all the time and it, and it, and it always like surprises me every single time. I'm like, Oh yeah, I used to be an actor. Like I still, I, I guess I still really want to do it. Like I, that was my dream. That was like, I only started doing the music as like a, as a favor for right. Amy, I guess, in a, in a, in a weird way, but, th- but it's like led into this whole other life that I, I never even planned on or, uh, <laughs> anticipated. <laughs> so I, I guess deep down, absolutely. I like, I'd love it to filter back into or loop back into acting somehow, yeah. whether or not, uh, Spielberg hears Geronimo and <laughs> wants to give me a call. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I, you know, deep down, I, I do hope for that. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, this is a pretty fantastic way to get some contacts in that industry, it seems like, to come in with a strong name in another form of entertainment that is arguably more difficult to like make it in than acting, you know, so props to you for that. I think that that'll serve you really well in the future when you do decide to make that jump back into acting, you know. There's uh, one, one thing in there that that's stands out to me. Obviously, this is the Build Your Network podcast. So we talk a lot about networking, relationship building, and all that kind of stuff. And really, in the end, that's what ended up making it for you, right? Like you you guys were talented. You were putting together good music. You had fans. You had people coming out to your shows. But the career didn't really explode and take off until a primary school teacher believed in you enough to just keep sending audio out to a big name producer who eventually, after a lot of prodding and samples, basically said, Hey, you guys are good enough. Let's sign on. And then boom, it turned your career around. How, how important, how important are relationships, man? I think, I feel like they're everything. Like, like you just, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. You can, you can be the greatest songwriter and musician of all time, but it's like, you, you need other people. You, it's a team effort. You know, there's not just one person here that is, uh, you know, leading the pack and, you know, everyone looks to them and it, it, they make all the decisions and they can click their fingers and magic stuff happens. It's a team effort. You need a whole host of managers and agents and promoters and marketing people and, and label people to, to get this thing off the ground to help, to help a band really establish themselves. And so, yeah, you really need to know the right people for the job and you need to 
talk to as many people as you can to, to get the best people for the job. Hmm. Yeah. So along this whole path, have you been actively trying to create new relationships with other people that you perceive to be like important to the journey? I, I guess I don't, I don't try and look at it from that sort of a mercenary point of view. I just, I really love connecting with people socially and, and like as a natural, uh, I'm a pretty friendly guy. Like I just like talking to people and making friends. So in yeah. that sense, I'm always, I'm always on the lookout for, for cool and interesting people. Uh, you know, I'm a, I feel like it's most important to be a yes man in, the, in that type of situation. So mm-hmm. for example, that, that podcast event that, that we met at, I had no business being there. I had no, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> The, the, the elephant in the room, like I was the only person that wasn't a podcaster and I, I really had nothing that was leading me there. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say yes to it because, you know, I'm going to meet some cool people. There's going to be some sort of opportunity that comes out of it, I'm sure. Like it's just great to connect with people and anything that comes out of connecting with people, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yes. It's, that's exactly how I was hoping you were going to answer that question because I think a lot of people look at it the way that I phrase that question and they look at it as what person can benefit me. And then they go try to build a relationship with that person. And it's super tactical. And Mm. when you're super tactical about relationships, you can't come off really genuine about it. And the people who win in the long run are the people who are just genuinely curious about people and like to connect with with other human beings. And, and, and you brought up the example of me and you, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on that as well. And because I don't know if you remember, but when, when you walked into the restaurant where we all were meeting up that night at the, at the event, I was just kind of standing there. I just, I think I just finished up a conversation with somebody and then you walked in and I could, I could just tell that you didn't know anybody there at all. I thought <laughs> you were just like an attendee of the event is what I thought. And uh, you just walked in, you, you like, just had this look of like bewilderment on your face. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then he just like <laughs> sat down and I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll just go talk to this guy, you know, see what's up. And so my point is like, if I had had blinders on to the fact that like, you know what? No, I only want to connect with the speakers that are at this event. I only want to connect with the VIPs that are at this event. Mm-hmm. And like, I wouldn't have gone up to you and, and like shaking your hand and been like, Hey, what's up? I'm Travis. And then we wouldn't have had that conversation. And now we wouldn't be sitting on this podcast. Like, because like, because I was just being genuine and having an interest in people and just wanting to connect with cool people anywhere, no matter what the context was, that's what leads to those opportunities. And it's so important just to treat every single person like they are the VIP and they were very well could be, you never know. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right, man. Yeah. It's a great philosophy. What moment, what, like if there was one along this whole journey, did you, can you look back on and be like, that was the moment where I knew that we made it. Where like I knew that this was going to be a wild ride. I think when I got asked to uh, appear on the Build Your Network podcast, I didn't even I didn't even tell you to say that. I think that's a pretty pretty clear indication for any for any artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you you I, and every other major artist have that one thing in common. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one moment, if I was to pinpoint it, as to like. The, the fact that we've made it. Is that what you were asking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really hard because I feel, again, there's so many like different gear shifts that... Like uh, incremental improvements. Yeah, it was really quite incremental. Like we, we, I think Let Me Down Easy was our, that was our very first single ever. And I think when that got added to radio in Australia, that was, that was a huge moment for us. Like that was, 
again, this is another another case of of networking and who you know. So Jason, our songwriter, his his older brother is a cameraman for a television station here, uh, like one of the big news networks. And once we'd finally recorded our EP, we, we had, had Chuggy on board and we were trying to, you know, get some sort of traction with the band. We'd recorded this EP with a single, Let Me Down Easy. And Jay's brother, Adam, gave that EP to uh, the reporter that was, he was the cameraman for, for the news. And she loved the EP and she was playing it in the makeup trailer next to another like host of a, a bigger breakfast show, like the Today Show. Hmm. And he was listening to the music and he's like, oh, who's this? And uh, the, this reporter was like, oh, this is, you know, my cameraman's brother's band. You know, they've just released this EP. I'm just having a listen to it now. And he goes, oh, that's really, that's, it's really good stuff. What's their story? And he looked online and he saw that we'd, you know, already been to South Africa and London and the US and we, we had this. I guess this story behind us of, uh, you know, this band that was going overseas and trying to make it. And he just went and took a risk and said, you know what, let's, let's get him to perform on the show and, you know, we'll give him a chance. And we got a call saying, Hey, do you want to, do you want to, we've got the slot free on the 27th of September or whatever date it was. Would you like to perform your song? Let me down easy on this breakfast show. And we were just like, Oh my God, yes, please. That's a, that's an amazing opportunity. So that came through the fact that, Jason's brother worked at the TV station with a reporter who knew the host of the main breakfast show. And it's just like, you know, it like ricocheted up that ladder. And before All you know about it, those relationships, man. Yeah. And, and that very day that we performed on the breakfast show, we got added to radio um, nationwide on, on one of the biggest networks in Australia. Wow. That's awesome. So that was your first glimpse of like actually listening to the radio and then just hearing a song of yours come on. Yeah. Pretty much. How, how was that? Uh, yeah, that's like, I guess that's a moment I'll never forget. That was, we, we were in two separate cabs. We, we just finished up dinner. So we, we'd gotten the news that all of the networks or all of the stations around Australia had added the song, which is just unheard of. You know, it, it usually, we haven't actually had that again since with, with even with Geronimo, like really, no song has just been added straight away to every single station. It takes like a little bit of time for it to, I guess bleed across, you know, the network. Mm-hmm. But we got this. We got the the email that it had been added across all of the networks, and we we had the radio on all day waiting for it. And we were it was like nighttime. We just finished up dinner, and we were in a cab in Sydney, and it came on, and we just lost our shit. We were like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And the cab driver had no idea what was going on. He was yeah. just like, "Turn up! This is our song! This is our song!" And he thought that we just meant like, oh, this is our jam, man. Like, turn yeah, up, we love right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just going crazy in the car. I thought he's going to kick us out, but we, we were just all like, it was that, you know, doing that thing you do, <laughs> that movie with Tom Hanks, you know, when they get out of the car and they run around the first time. Yeah. They it was sort of like that moment where we were just like going absolutely bat shit crazy in the car. Yeah, that's incredible. Have there any? Have there been any more moments that are similar to that one since then, like with other songs or different opportunities that have happened? Yeah, well, let me down easy. Only got to about I think it was eighteen on the Aria charts, which is like our, our Billboard charts. So it was huge for us at the time for our first single. That was that was amazing. Yeah, no kidding. And then during the tour of Let Me Down Easy, we 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 wrote Geronimo, and that was I guess when when Geronimo hit number one, that was that was probably the next phase, yeah. I guess, the next gear shift. That, 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 that was on the, on the Aria charts you're talking about? Correct, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. So that, that, that was released in Australia before anywhere else in the world type of thing. You know, it's, okay. it, that was the song. Geronimo was the song that really got us signed uh, and, and kicked off our overseas releases, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and when was that? That was 2014. Okay. So a couple of years after you signed yeah. with, okay. Yeah. So, Let Me Down Easy was released in 20, the beginning of 2013. And then Geronimo was the, yeah, I think March, 2014. Okay. Gotcha. When you're writing these songs, do you have any idea which one is going to be like a big hit? Like, have you had that feeling like this is going to be an awesome song? This is going to be like Geronimo was, or this is going to be like Let Me Down Easy was, and then it just like doesn't really pick up any steam? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can never predict it. It's, it's all like, it, it starts with the song, but then there's the whole host of other things that have to go right. and The planets need to align for it to become a hit. So there's yeah. a difference between a good song and a hit song. There's okay. like, you get good feelings about, about, you know, music that you write. So we, we can usually tell if a song that we've written is, is a good song. Like, you know, we, whether the melody f- sort of feels right, the lyrics are the right sort of emotive and relatable and, and like the hooks are there. It, like it all kind of blends together and feels like this really nice, neat whole package that mm-hmm. you sort of put together. Yeah. But then, you know, you release it and you know, you don't get the opportunities that you did with the last single. Like you've already played that TV show, so you can't do it again on this one. You know, you got to do, it's just all these like little things that, that come together. Uh, yeah. And you, you really need, a, a band needs a story. So now it's not, it's just not enough nowadays to release a song and hope people like it. You know, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to release a song and then they, the, the radio stations for them to, uh, I guess, accept the risk of picking up the song. They want to know what the story is behind the song. What's the band doing? What, what story can we tell in interviews? Are they touring with Justin Bieber? Are they doing, you know, this festival? Like what's, what's the band doing with this song? You know, they, they need, they need that story to go along with it. Otherwise, otherwise it, you know, they're not interested, which is kind yeah. of, which is kind of tough. And, and you did tour with Justin Bieber, right? Yes, we did. We had that story down pat. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, toured with Justin, <laughs> Bieber. Touring with Justin Bieber. Yes. Yes, they are actually. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So on this path, when you're just meeting all these different musicians and artists and stuff, was there anybody that you just like really got along with that you, that like, like an artist that, that you really looked up to or something that you're just like, I can't believe I'm opening for, or I'm playing with, or I'm alongside of them in this tour. And they just became like a really good friend of yours. Well, I guess you pr- <laughs> he's a huge artist here in Australia and the UK, but apparently he's quite an unknown in America, which is really funny. But do you, do you know Robbie Williams? I don't know the name, no. See, Robbie Williams, he's, he's got, I'm loving angels instead. You know that you don't know oh, that song? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, for right. sure. For so sure. He's, he's, uh, he's massive. He's like Madonna level in Australia, UK, pretty much everywhere except the USA. I'm not really sure why he never crossed over, but he, he was a huge one for us growing up that we then supported last year. Actually, earlier this year. It was at the start of this year. But he, he had us on as a support act for his shows in Australia. And it was the most unbelievable experience. He was so down to earth and so lovely. You know, we had an, an absolute entourage of people for that first show, just everyone was so excited and our friends and family group that, you know, we had like 15 to 20 people that were on the guest list just for us, which is, uh, it's a bit of a no, no, when you're the support act to be like 
you know, taking over the backstage area with, with your, with your posse type of, type of thing. Yeah. But he, he walked in, he walked in straight away, like got out of his car, came straight over to us. And he's like, Hey everybody, you know, thanks so much for being a part of this. You know, nice to meet you all. He went around, shook everyone's hand, gave my grandma a hug, <laughs> like just, just stuff that you wouldn't expect someone of his caliber to, right. to, to do. And I like that just that sort of behavior just really sticks to us and really like leaves an impression on us. And, you know, we'll, we'll that's the way we're going to act when we, if we ever get to that level, you know, and we have a support act who, who are really nervous, you know, we'll always be open and welcoming because we've had that experience with him. And after the, the final show, after we came off stage, he was there waiting for us. He'd been watching us and he was like, Hey, I just want to say, you know, I really love your songs. They're so well put together. And I want to start, uh, I want to start conversations around a writing session. And that was like, that just like a sledgehammer to my chest. <laughs> just like just totally yeah. didn't I had no idea what to say <laughs> yeah. it was like one of my childhood idols right saying right. that to me it was just that was like a moment yeah that's a moment that I'll, I'll remember for sure and um <laughs> yeah we're trying we're trying to tear it up we, we actually went over to LA and because he's got a house in LA because nobody knows who he is in America he can just walk around the streets and he loves it he's got a house in Los Angeles that invited us to come to so we, we booked a whole ticket uh, the whole trip, sorry, we booked tickets to go to LA for these um, songwriting sessions. Like we booked other sessions around it, but with the main goal of going to write with Robbie Williams. And <laughs> one day before we uh, meant to spend three days with him, he gets called to the UK and he has to he has to jet off. And I think it was for the FIFA opening ceremony or something. He had to. He got asked. Oh <laughs> no! So we got we got uh, we got shafted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but like you, but you would do it again, though. I would get shafted by Robbie Williams any day. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he, he was very apologetic, and he was like, "I'm so sorry to do that to you guys, but we, we, you know, we'll try and find another time to do it. So we'll see if it happens again." But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a really cool that. experience getting shafted That's by so Robbie. <laughs> of all the things now that this has created for you guys, the the life that you the life that you get to live, the places you get to travel, the experiences that you get to take part of, what is like the most fun thing to do in all of this for you? Like, is it recording? Is it performing on stage? If it's performing on stage, like, what kind of an audience size? Like, what 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 part of all this is just like this is where I just have a blast? Yeah, it's it's really different actually. The two worlds of performing and recording, it's. Again, coming back to the acting, I, I always sort of relate it to the acting. It's like performing on stage is like theater. You know, you only, you have to do it all perfectly in this one hour long, hour and a half, however long the set is, timeline in front of a live audience with that energy that you feel. Whereas recording is like being in a film. You know, you get as many mm-hmm. takes as you want to get it perfect. And then, you know, you show people after you've really kind of like crafted it and, you know, baked it all into a into a nice little song cake. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I, I love both for different reasons, but I, I think for me, creating new music is, is really where, where it's at. I think, yeah. uh, you know, being able to have that magic feeling in the studio when you've got something that you absolutely love and it's fresh and you're excited at the prospect of what, what it could be when it gets released. I think, yeah. And getting to show your friends and family that song that you're so excited about. I think that's, that's the part that I get. I get most giddy over if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. What did you do anything? Do you do anything during the creative process to like help yourself get into like a flow state? Yeah. I think it's all about uh, environment plays a, a really important part. So you got to have the right space to do it. So, you know, 
we, we had a, a period where after Jay had moved out of our house, uh, he was still in Brisbane, but he was living, you know, a couple of suburbs away. We were really having trouble writing new music because we were just not together anymore. We were writing, you know, over email or, you know, just like sending ideas back and forth, which just wasn't the same. And um, you really need a space. I think you need a, an environment that can be like the home of the band or the home of the, the, the song, you know, where you just go every day, yeah. show up at 9am, work all day, leave at five type thing. I think the, the, the best or the most successful creative people, they don't, they don't really need to spend all of this time and energy late up late doing drugs and alcohol and, you know, pretending that's the creative way. I think, I think it's, it's probably more realistic to treat it like a, a proper job and, and show up every day at 9am in an awesome space that you love and you feel comfortable in just kind of experimenting and, and having fun. Really. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the formula. So Jerry Seinfeld, you, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, I do. Okay. So Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so Jerry Seinfeld talks about how, how important when like when a new comic will ask him how he, you know, was able to create so many successful sets and different things like that of his jokes. He would always tell them that he would, he would write a joke a day. So he would every single day, make sure that he wrote at least one joke. And then on a, his calendar, he would put an X for that day if he, if he wrote a joke or not. And what happens after a while is you start having these long streaks of just these Xs on your calendar. So psychologically, after 30, 31, 35, 42 days of, of seeing that X on your calendar, you don't want that streak to end. So you're yeah. going to make sure that you keep doing that. How important has consistency been to contributing to the quality of your music. Yeah, man, it's really important because you get into a groove, you know, you, you, like you said, you get, you get these streaks going and you don't want them to end. Hmm. And, and the more you do something, the better you get at it. And, and yeah. the less, like if you take a break, you sort of start to lose that. It's like going to the gym, you know, you stop going to the gym, you, you start losing that muscle. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same with with. And I then guess, you got any, three weeks of soreness before you get used to it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you want to you want to stay fit in that sense. You want to make sure that mm-hmm. you keep on doing it every day, so that your your um, ability doesn't doesn't wane. Yeah. So if you were to pinpoint the one thing that you think most artists are failing to do that prohibits them from seeing a larger amount of success than they currently see. What do you think that one thing would be? I think something that I've actually seen a lot just in, in the community that I'm, I'm in, uh, you know, cause we, we know a lot of musicians and a lot of them are super talented. Like, like we talked about, like they could just absolutely carve up a stadium if they're on stage, mm-hmm. but they don't, they don't take it as professionally as they could. You know, they, they see music as sort of like a, a playground and they've got license to just get completely you know, fucked up all the time. And, you know, they, they spend all hours of the morning just, you know, smoking weed and, and getting into that creative headspace. But then that doesn't allow them to like cross a boundary. Whereas if you just, if you just treat it as, as a, as a bit of like a professional job, like you're going to work and you, you spend that, that time just kind of getting your mind focused and, and, and right and doing it every day and just kind of, like I said, showing up at nine, leaving at five, treating it as, as like a, a full on professional job, then you'd be surprised mm-hmm. at how much better you can do and how much, how much more seriously you take it and the decisions that you make surrounding that. Like it just, I guess it, it better educates you and gives you more of an opportunity to, to make the right decision. 
Yeah. And, it, and I think it helps you fail faster. You know, right. like what you were talking about, you put so much work in at the beginning of writing all of these songs that you yourself said weren't even good enough to share with people. And yep. then, and, and then you, after creating so many of those, you finally have a couple where you're like, Hey, this one's actually pretty decent. And then you finally have one where it's like, Hey, other people think this is good. And mm. it gets on the radio and helps you like get to the next step in your career. But then you don't stop there. You don't stop with the one single, you keep going and you keep writing, you keep writing and you have some songs that stick and some songs that don't. And then mm. you have another one that blows up all over, not just Australia, but the rest of the world. And I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about is those just consistent efforts over a long period of time are going to help you win out in the end. So I'm curious to know your answer to this question, George, because you're clearly a very talented guy, but you also work really hard at your craft, um, which is which when you combine those two, that's when you get the the people who really do well um, with, with what they're doing is the ones that are talented and they work really hard at it. So you're obviously a very competent artist and you're good at what you do, but you also have the right relationships. You know the right people to help propel your career and get it off the ground. So do you think that who you know or what you know is more important and why? I feel... I mean, it's obviously what you know is super important and you got to be good at what you do, but I feel like who you know is, is, is probably a little bit more beneficial in terms of propelling your career because I, I know people that haven't got any qualifications at all and have been given a job just because of who they are and not, not like nepotism or anything like that. You know, it's not like, oh, I like this person, so I'm going to favor them, but people want to work with somebody that they, that they like and that they get along with. You know, you can be the best at what you do, but a total jerk. No one's going to want to work with you. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're like an awesome, awesome guy who doesn't quite know as much, but, you know, he's willing to, you know, keep an open mind and learn on the job, like that guy every time, you know, that's, that's who they're going to choose. So if, I feel like if you're, if you're a more, I guess, social guy who, who likes to go out and connect with people and just like we were talking about before, genuinely you know, get to know people because of, because of their curiosity as to, you know, what people are out there. And I feel like that's going to serve you better in, in, in a, in a, in a weird sense than actually knowing more about your craft. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I mean, I think that you guys are evidence of that, of that fact, you know, and I, I think sometimes those of us who don't experience it on such a large scale like that, because in, in industries like acting or um, singing or some sort of like music or whatever it might be, I think those industries are just the exaggerated example of what we were just talking about. Meaning like you could be really talented, your band could sound awesome, you could have your harmonies on point, your songwriting's good, everything about you is good, but you don't know the right people and you never get the right opportunities. So you're playing in cruise ships for the rest of your life, which I mean, if you love doing it, then do your thing. But if you're really trying to move to the next level, then the key is going to be for you to improve on your relationships. So I think it's easy to pinpoint it in areas and careers like yours and say, you know what, I think who you know is the one that wins out here. And I think a lot of people downplay that for their job. But like you were just talking about, it is going to be the deciding factor most of the time. The relationships that you have are what's going to help you move on to the next level. And it's not going to be, like you said, from a, a point of like spitefulness, like I don't like you, so I'm going to give it to this person instead. It's just like I have a better relationship with them. I know that I vibe with them. I know that they're a nice person because I already know them. So I'm going to give them the opportunity before I give this random person that I don't know very well the opportunity because that's a gamble. This isn't right. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think by my own admission, you know, we're not, we're not the greatest musicians of all time. Like we, we're still like very much learning how to, I, I'm, I, I had, I taught myself how to play piano and I wasn't really playing professionally until we started, you know, 22, 23. So like I didn't grow up being some maestro. I didn't go to like the, the conservatorium of music or, you know, Berkeley school of music, anything like that. Like I, my sister Emma, she learned how to play bass to be in the band. You know, we're not like the greatest musicians of all time, but you know, we take our craft seriously and you know, we're, we're, we're nice people to be around. You know, we're, we're very humble, polite people that we, we, we try and give everybody the time of day. And yeah, like I said, I'm just curious about connecting with people. And I feel like that is, that has really sort of helped us uh, more than our musicianship. Yeah. What, what has been, you've played just all over the world, so many different festivals, events, stadiums, different things like that. What was the biggest one that you played and what was the most fun? Like, was there one that you can point back to and be like, man, the energy of that particular crowd at this particular event was just off the charts and I had a blast doing that. Man, I think they were both the same gig, but um, the, we, we, we were fortunate enough to be asked to do Rock in Rio in Brazil. So we, we flew to Rio de Janeiro and we had the this is at the height of Geronimo. I guess this was like the peak of everything that like the culmination of everything that had come before it. It was like the the final chapter. And um we got the the main stage on the final night or one of the yeah, I think it was the final night, right before Sam Smith and Rihanna. So Rihanna's closing the main <laughs> stage. Sam Smith's before her, Shepherd are before him. Wow. So we, we had a hundred thousand plus people in front of us in on this stage and that like just it doesn't feel real like even remembering back to it it's just like performing to to infinity it makes it makes <laughs> it just it, it's so hard to describe but like the crowd just doesn't end it just keeps on going until the horizon and you're just like how how are we going to perform to all of these people how is everybody like going to pick up this energy that we're trying to put out like we haven't got enough energy right. for this <laughs> but, but I guess that's why the, you know you have speakers and screens and you know lights and everything to help propel that and amplify that. Right, right. That 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 show was just the most. I'm actually trying to find. I'm, I'm finding it hard to find a word to describe it. But it was just it was the most surreal moment I guess of our lives. Like feeling that energy from a crowd that big at the height of our career was was just the most fantastic moment i guess the most hour the most fantastic hour that we've had as a band yeah that's so cool backstage at shows like that do you kind of get to mingle with some of the other artists or are they prepping for their set that they're not really like engaged in conversation or how does that work sometimes i mean it depends on the artist i guess if usually if they're like a, a really big name most of the time they're they're in their room sort of preparing or doing their own thing i guess just trying to stay away from fans because you know artists backstage can be fans of other artists and, and that's still a bit annoying for those superstars. So they, they do try and separate themselves a little bit. Like the El, we did, we supported Elton John and he had his own separate area that was just Elton John with the fancy, you know, toilet and all this other, you know, the, what, what you'd expect, expect Elton John to be backstaging in. But then like festivals and stuff, there might be just like the one communal area and, and people are, I guess, a bit more, forced to hang out and that's that that that's always really cool like v fest in england we did you know like jess glynn was there and what's his name do you know jess glynn at all yeah i've heard of him 
Yeah, she, she was really nice. And I can't think of his name now. Noah someone. Yeah, anyway, I, the, there are times when you can mingle and it's really cool. And other times yeah. when, when you – Jason Derulo was there doing his workouts and push-ups and, and that type of thing. Oh, really? like, I'm not going to go up to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I fear we may not have that much in common. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> how, has been, how has it been – learning like the business side of what you do. And I know that you're, you're an, you're an artist, right? Like you're a creative, you mm. create, has it been something that you've kind of embraced or do you just go, you know what, this is my manager's job. You do all of that. I'm just going to focus on what I know how to do. At the beginning, it was definitely something we had no choice over. We had to try and, and figure that out as quickly as possible. You know, we would yeah. just sort of hit the ground running Oh, we're in a band now that's uh, making money. We don't really know what we're doing. Let's just try and, I had to do taxes and like visas and stuff for going to America and the UK. That was a nightmare process. Like I can't even begin to describe to you how frustrating that was, but you know, and, and that was all me. Like I had to try and figure all that out, like how, how all of that stuff worked. But yeah, I guess as managers and stuff came on, I was, I was pretty quick to just sort of palm it off and be like, Hey, look, I just want to focus on the creative side of things. Like I, like I, I will, ha- I will do it if I have to, but it's just not where my passion lies. I hate numbers. I'm not, I'm not yeah. a maths guy. I'm just, I like, I like melodies, and I just want to have friends and connect with people and and make music and live the dream. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. whether or not that's whether or not that's realistic, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid it's, it as long as I can. It's, it's worked. It's worked so far, right? <laughs> it's, it's worked so far. Yeah. Um, so, so what's next, man? What, what's next for for Shepherd? So we're actually in the process of we're in the pre-planning stages of uh, album number three. Cool. So we've just we've just finished up on a on a, an Australian tour, and we head to Europe in December. So between then, we're, we're starting to write music. We've got a song that we're really excited about, and uh, that'll be like the first single next year in February sometime. But um, yeah, in the meantime, we're just writing, recording, um, and touring to Europe. I'm going to. Japan with my girlfriend for Christmas and New Year's, which I'm very excited about. And then, yeah, it kicks off big time, start of next year. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to see that single coming out. We'll definitely be pushing it as much as we can over this way. Let's go ahead and wrap things up, move on to the last segment, something really quick I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions and some quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Acting. <laughs> I figured that was coming. I figured that was coming. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Mm, probably Chris Martin from Coldplay because they've done everything that I guess we, we want to achieve as a band. They've, they've done it. And I just feel like he's very down to earth and he knows. I feel like he thinks a lot like I think. And I would just love to pick his brain for a little bit just to as to how, you know, the band dynamics work and, and how he sees the future of Coldplay going and how, how they keep on re- reinventing themselves and all that stuff. I, I think it'd be fun to sit down with him. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos, anything like that? Yeah, I guess audio and movies. Like I, I'm a huge movie buff. What's a movie you've seen recently that you would recommend everybody go watch? <laughs> I would definitely recommend a movie called, it's, it's probably not for the faint hearted, but it's called Hereditary. 
It's got uh, Tony Collette in it. It's it's a psychological horror film and it's pretty intense. But gotcha. I, I, I like that, that stuff. It's really, really well done. It's like a slow burner horror film that is just so well done. The acting's amazing. The story is really bizarre and weird in this in this great way. So that would be my if I was to recommend one movie. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Okay, so I wake up, I roll over, I hit snooze. And that happens about <laughs> seven or eight times. <laughs> I'm not a morning person at all. Hey, I'm just like, I need to drag myself out of bed, crawl to the shower, and then just like, if I can just reach over and hit the coffee machine. It takes <laughs> yeah, me what's like, that like? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I, I compare it to, so my, my partner Kathleen and I, we have very different morning schedules. She's like, she's like an iOS 12. So she's like, <laughs> boots up in 10 seconds and she's like, boom, ready to go, you know, exercise gear, off to yoga. I'm more like Windows 98. I need to like <laughs> warm up. You boot me up. I'm going to take a little bit of time to just like get dial up internet. Yeah. Making weird noises as you're getting <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. So that's the difference between me and Kathleen. <laughs> uh, what is your go-to pump-up song? I got a couple, but uh, there's one called, there's a dubstep song called Bonfire by Knife Party. That was a big one for me. Like before we go on stage, I'd listen to that and just like get really like, yeah, come on, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> and also Black Skinhead by Kanye West. That, that was produced by Rick Rubin. I feel like that was just such a cool beat and that like got me pumped up big time. What is something that you are just not very good at? Mornings. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah. answer. Good answer. As we get everything yeah, wrapped up here, brother, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Uh, I guess YouTube is probably a good one. But if you just type "We Are Shepherd," um, there's there's all sorts of things that come up. Like we've got a, our websites weareshepherd.com. Perfect. Perfect. YouTube's We Are Shepherd. In, Instagram's perfect. We Are Shepherd. So you won't you won't go wrong if you type that into Google. Awesome. Awesome. We are Shepard. Go find out more of what George and his band are up to. Keep a lookout for any of the singles and the different uh, things that they have coming up. And if they're playing anywhere near you, highly encourage you to go check them out and um, uh, reach out to him. Say what's up. Tell them that you heard about him here on the Build Your Network podcast. George, thanks so much for coming on today, brother. I know it's a kind of a weird time zone thing with you being out in Brisbane and me being out in Vegas, but glad it worked out and happy to have you on. Absolutely, man. What a pleasure it was. Thanks for uh, breaking my podcast, Jerry. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show because they're literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is something that you are interested in at all, then hit me up and let's chat to see if you'd be a good fit for my mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. Just head over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to fill out an application and we'll talk soon. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.